With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We believe in the American way. And we built this country called the USA. And we fly our flag because we're proud and free. We're Americans. Red, white, and blue is our way of life. Never back down from a challenge or a fight. Nature provides, God gives the rights. We're Americans. Make up America. It's amazing America. Welcome to our Convention of States podcast, That Provident Article. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the United States Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States project. My name is Paul Hodson. I am the co-director here in the great state of Texas. Each week we meet to educate ourselves on Article 5 to promote the Convention of States project and its use of Article 5 to reign in our federal government. For more information regarding the Convention of States project, I invite you to visit www.conventionofstates.com. Later in the show, if opportunity allows, our call-in number is 914-205-5632. Further contact information is available at blogtalkradio.com for that Provident article. We want to thank Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, endorsers of the Convention of State project, for the use of all the music here on our episodes of That Provident Article. Please visit their website at www.madisonrising.com. And a quick review as we begin our show, Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution is available there in full on blogtalkradio.com on our site. We particularly look at that phrase, Convention for Proposing Amendments, as initiated by the applications of two-thirds of the state's legislatures. And we want to point out the subject matter of our application at the Convention of States. Three points. Impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. And welcome to our Convention of States podcast, that Provident article for February 27th, 2016, We want to jump right into the news of the week for the Convention of States. A reminder, you can find out all the latest news on the Convention of States news blog, www.conventionofstates.com backslash news blog. Also, for your particular states, you can go to the cosaction.com backslash and then your state name, such as our state, state of Texas. You can head out there for some of the states which are very active right now, Indiana, Utah, West Virginia, Go out there and you can find some very specific information for your your state. We encourage you to go out to each of your states and take a look at that cosaction.com website. Uh, Quickly, the uh, committees where we had some victories this past week. The Utah House, we passed six to three in a committee. In the Missouri House, we passed. And in the Indiana House, we had a nine to three victory in a committee there. On the floor, West Virginia Senate passed 18 to 14. South Dakota House passed 
37 to 30 after after a uh, an interesting fight and battle they had to come back uh, they did not have the votes at first they were able to withhold and represent the bill after some more pressure was put on thanks to our volunteers out in South Dakota and on all the workers all the convention of states project supporters out in South Dakota and the hard work they put in there to get through the house so our current status here in 2016 we've passed in full in five states We've passed in committee now in nine states. We have passed in at least one chamber of the House in seven states. And 28 states have pre-filed, filed, or carried over. And this coming week, coming up, the Indiana House, we believe that is going to be Monday, the 29th, February 29th. The Indiana House will be taking a vote, we believe, on the floor. If it passes there, Indiana will be state number six to pass the Convention of States resolution. And just a quick follow-up. For what occurred last week in both Kansas and in Nebraska, the Convention of States uh, did not pass. What's frustrating in Kansas is they have a very, very high threshold of two-thirds to pass a resolution, and they had they came awfully close. They had 77 of the necessary 84 votes, so it was 77 to 47, I believe, was the final vote there. Uh, a, a huge majority, but not quite two-thirds. Uh, back to work for Kansas in the next session. Okay, we're going to move along to our presentation. Today's going to be a bit different. We're going to do a hypothetical. We're going to imagine that this is an election since we are in election season, and, and this is why I changed up what I was going to do. I was going to continue on with the Texas plan, but because election, our, our primary here in Texas is coming up on Tuesday, and that's really where the focus has been here in Texas. My mind started to wander, and I wanted to imagine what's an election going to look like after a convention of states for uh, our application. So here's the hypothetical situation. If you pull up the slide, slide number one, here's the five points. The convention of states project Article 5 applications have met the 34-state threshold. A convention with commissioners from each state has been held. This convention has approved a slate of proposed amendments to the U.S. Constitution, the required three-fourths of the states have ratified the slate of proposed amendments, and the amendments became active on January 1st, 2016. Now, this is a fun hypothetical because a lot of time when we give presentations, we get asked questions, what's going to happen? What will this look like? Uh, it's very difficult at time to imagine because our, our application does not have specific amendments, and a lot of times, and especially legislators, have a difficult time grasping what exactly are we attempting to do? What's it going to look like? And how will that affect how the, the, the country functions and how the government functions? So first of all, a quick reminder, what I've just covered here on, on slide two, our project does not include any proposed amendment in its application. We are rather a subject matter application, which provides authority for each state's commissioners to introduce, debate, and approve any amendments which are germane to at least one of these three subjects. Again, a reminder of our subject matter. One, to impose fiscal restraints on the federal government. Second, to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. And third, to limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. So move on to slide three. For the purpose of this exercise, which we're doing today, we're going to imagine that some of the possible amendments which have been published over the last several years have been proposed and ratified. So let me run down what we are hypothetically imagining has occurred and, and on January 1st of 2016, these are now amendments to the Constitution. First up, 
Your federal income tax filings are now due on the first Monday in November. Second, congressional term limits of 12 years total in the House and in the Senate. Third, a repeal of the 17th Amendment plus authority for state legislators, state legislatures to recall a senator. Fourth, judicial term limits of 12 years. Three justices replaced every four years. Fifth, Supreme Court rulings require three-fourths approval of the court, not just a simple majority. So in this case, with nine justices, it requires seven justices to approve a majority, a, a majority opinion. Next up, the authority for state legislatures to override federal statute and regulations. The next one, authority for federal Congress to override or vacate a Supreme Court majority opinion and that same authority given to the state legislatures. They can override or vacate a Supreme Court majority opinion. So, Election Day, November 8th, 2016. What's just happened? Well, you've just completed your federal tax return, and, and maybe if you're a procrastinator, you just turned it in on Monday the 7th of November, and fresh on your mind is the amount of your income that you have given to the federal government. This may give you, give you pause concerning whom you're going to support, and it's also going to cause you to ask some specific questions regarding how your money is spent. You're going to ask that of your congressman. And you're also going to ask it, not of your senator, but of your, of your state legislators. And, and we'll talk about that in a moment. House of Representatives, you're, you're voting for your, your House member. Understand now at least 162 members of the House of Representatives on November 8, 2016, are ineligible for re-election. And that includes these members. And they, hey, we're going to throw out the good and the bad alike. Conyers, Wrangell, Sensenbrenner, Hoyer, Barton, Pelosi, Rohrabacher, Waters, Sam Johnson, Steve King, Wasserman Schultz. In 2018, here's some more members who will be ineligible for re-election. Keith Ellison, Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy, who's currently the majority leader, Steve Scalise, currently the majority whip. Talk about getting rid of leadership. That's one way to do it is to just have them term limit out. What about the U.S. Senate? At least 34 members are going to be replaced by election, regardless if their six-year term is expired. And this is going to include these senators. Leahy, Hatch, Cochran, McConnell, McCain, Reed, Feinstein, Boxer, Inhofe, Roberts, Durbin, Sessions, Schumer, Graham, Alexander, Cornyn, and debatable about Menendez because he came in in the middle of a term. Uh, so he's right on a borderline, and it would depend on how how the amendment is written and how it ends up being interpreted. In 2018, some more members who will be replaced by election. Sanders, if he's not president. Corker, McCaskill. And what about the U.S. Supreme Court? As you're now considering your choice for president, you realize that he or she is going to nominate replacements for these three justices in 2017. Scalia, Kennedy, and Thomas, unless, of course, Scalia is, is replaced before then. And in 2020, as you look ahead, the president will be nominating replacements for these three justices, Ginsburg, Breyer, and Alito. As you move on to slide eight, you may be thinking, well, that, that's a quick turnover, and, and we, are, we may be losing folks that you like. You may be losing folks you don't like. You're going to be concerned, but your concern is allayed by the knowledge that all majority opinions now require a supermajority vote seven of the nine justices. And you're further encouraged because you have the knowledge that a supermajority of state legislatures 
can override or vacate a Supreme Court decision. In fact, also a supermajority of Congress, your, your congressman and your senator, they can override and vacate a Supreme Court decision. So there's an extra check put in place by several branches of the, of the federal government and, of course, the state legislator in, legislature included there to check the Supreme Court. So you're not as concerned that you're having these Supreme Court justices and possibly even other federal judges term limited out because the replacements, if you're losing some people that you like, even if you get replacements that you don't like because of, of the way the presidential election has gone, you still have that check at your state legislature level and at your congressional level. So, slide nine, what about your state legislators? They have suddenly become far more important in what goes on even with the federal government. They have more authority and more responsibility. Understand, as, as one of those amendments has repealed the 17th Amendment for the direct election of senators, your state legislators are now responsible to place, replace one and possibly in 2017 replace two of your U.S. senators. You're going to be asking them some questions. What kind of person are they going to choose to fulfill those positions as U.S. senator? And understand, will, you may ask them the question, are you willing to recall a senator who is not behaving in a manner in which, in which we want them, we the people want them to behave? And of course, your, your state representatives, most states, they only have two-year terms. And you may say, you know what, we're going to remember if, if our U.S. senator acts up and you don't pull the plug on them, uh, we get, you have an election in two years. Your state legislators are going to have the authority to overrule or veto federal laws and regulations. You can begin asking them those questions about their commitment to overturn what you believe are unconstitutional laws and regulations. You can put them on the spot, ask them not just to complain and whine about it when they're in their session and say there's only so much we can do. They now have the authority to actually act upon it and overturn those. So you can hold them far more accountable for things which occur at the federal level and bring the responsibility back down to the states, and you have much more access to your state legislators. And the next bullet point, they are going to have the authority to overturn and vacate Supreme Court majority opinion. So again, you're going to be asking your state legislators for their commitment to overturn and vacate rulings you believe to be unconstitutional. This is going to give you great opportunity to find out really what their commitment, how committed to what they have stated their positions are. How committed are they? Committed enough to actually put down in writing, we want to vacate a ruling from the Supreme Court. We want to vacate something that the federal Congress has done. We truly are saying we want to take that responsibility upon ourselves for whatever it be, any type of spending issue. You may have you may want the, the Department of Education to be gone from the federal government. Now, this, now your state representatives are truly responsible for education in your state. Are they truly willing to take that upon themselves and to either vacate a ruling, overturn a ruling or a regulation which affects one of those areas? Education, health care is an issue. Uh, definition of marriage is an issue. Those are all things now in which you can throw it to your state legislators and say, where do you stand and put your money or your vote where your mouth is? This is what we're looking for. These are the type of things that we are looking ahead. What happens? What's really, what are you guys trying to do at the Convention of States? What are you really trying to do? What we've, what we've said all along, we're trying to 
we're trying to determine and structure who it is that decides, who decides, and too much of it is the federal government and a lot of times even unelected officials such as justices or people in the bureaucracy. They've been deciding for far too long. We not only want to have it be back to where our federal Congress gets to decide, we want to bring it back to the states. They truly decide, they truly have the authority, and the onus is on them to uphold their commitments they've made to their constituencies, and their constituencies are far closer to them than they are to their federal officials. And of course, the federal officials' power now is lessened, and they're not quite as important. And you know, some of the arguments against having term limits, you can see that that argument, there's not so much power in, in being a congressman, so they're not going to be as concerned about being term limited because there's not really a whole lot of power they have. The states can override anything they do. Our slides 10 and 11 give our attribution. Again, the conventionofstates.com at the Citizens Toolkit, you can pull up our state application, our model application for a convention of states. Uh, the book, The Liberty Amendments, is where we get some of these ideas for uh, amendments, you know, possible amendments that would be proposed and ratified. From Governor Abbott's document, Restoring the Rule of Law with States Leading the Way, which he released here in January of 2016. And just coming up with the numbers of who, who would be attrited out uh, through term limits, seniority in the House of Representatives, seniority in the Senate, seniority in the Supreme Court, you can just Google that and pull that up on Wikipedia. It's, it's very simple. When did they first come into their, their office? And you can see who is the most senior. And in the terms of the House of Representatives or the Senate, you can see the year they started. I did not go into the opportunity to see which senators were first in the House of Representatives. There may be even more senators who would need to be, uh, who would not be eligible even in, in 2016 election, again, if these amendments were already in place. I thought this was an interesting exercise. Uh, it opens eyes as to, here's what we're really trying to do. Here's what would really happen. It would be a very, very exciting election cycle the first time you go through when all these things are happening at once, where you've got well over a third of the House of Representatives assured of being turned over. Uh, remember, we had a we had a discussion months ago, probably, in which we saw that 85%, even in a wave election like 2010, 85% of the incumbent incumbents in the House of Representatives returned. Even in a wave election, it's almost always incumbents. This would not be true. You would have, at best, 67% of your incumbents coming back. And then right after that, the next two years, you'd have another section of them dropping out because they would no longer be eligible, nor can they now run for the Senate, right? If they've used up their 12 years in the House, they're gone. So you get turnover, you get double the turnover because of that. You don't have people just promoting themselves up. So good, good exercise to do, some fun to do, as we, a lot of us here with Super Tuesday coming up and the primary election on our mind, and other states still have their elections to go. And of course, the general election in November. I, I hope this was helpful to you to see some of the things which can occur. There are a lot of things we didn't cover in this, imagine. We didn't cover anything to do with any of the budgetary or fiscal restraints that, that we hope to put on through amendments. Uh, there were a lot of things as far as restraining the federal government. 
that we did not discuss in this exercise. These are things which would be very tangible to see right away as you're deciding who you're going to vote for, what types of questions you're going to ask your leaders, your state leaders. These are the types of things that, that become right out in front of you, and you would see this would be a very, very different election. The first time we go through this, it's going to be a very different and very exciting election. There will be a lot of buzz about it. So keeping all that in mind, I'm going to open it up to the phone lines now. I want to remind you our call-in line, 914-205-5632. That's 914-205-5632. We would love to discuss anything with you concerning the Convention of States in general. If you're here in Texas, where I am, I can give you a little more information on what's going on in Texas. We can discuss anything that we might know about in, in the various states as to what's going on on the ground right now in the Convention of States. Some ground rules, again, speak respectfully, no foul language, no derogatory, defamatory remarks, no shouting or yelling. We want to be able to hear each other. We want to stay calm. We want to keep to the subject. We want to encourage dialogue. That means we're going to listen to each other, pause and listen. Don't pay any attention to what happens in those GOP debates. That Those become a circus. I've heard multiple people call that a circus who, who weren't even discussing it with, with each other. It's been an interesting week uh, understanding and, and hearing how people have described that last debate by the GOP. Again, our number, 914-205-5632. Go ahead and call in. We'd love to speak with you. All right, we're live, and no phone calls up on the board at the moment. I will vamp for a couple of minutes, try and preview what we have planned for next week. I will attempt to get back to an 8.30 in the morning schedule on Saturday. I had an event today in which I actually had a chance to go hear Dr. Ben Carson out here in Texas, of course, campaigning as Super Tuesday is coming up. Dr. Carson, as recently as last week, visited a convention of states table that we had set up at the Conservative Review Conference. He has, of course, supported Article 5 and Convention of States uh, somewhat generically for several amendments, I believe, having to do with balanced budget and term limits, if, if I remember correctly. So we've had that. We've had a great public, uh, not endorsement, a that-a-boy, a, a thank you for your service from Senator Ted Cruz last night, uh, Friday evening, on the Sean Hannity show, the, the one-hour show. and We've already got video posted on that on YouTube. Uh, a, a district captain from Tennessee asked a question regarding the federal government and regulations, but he introduced himself both as a veteran and as a district captain with the Convention of States Project, and Senator Cruz thanked him for his service as a veteran and thanked him for the work he's doing now with the Convention of States Project, and that is the first time, I believe, in which Senator Cruz has publicly stated our project by name. He's always referenced Article 5. He's referenced in general, a convention of states. That was very exciting. It is obvious that that is something on the campaign trail, as we see especially Senator Rubio being asked the question over and over again and giving it great response during his stump speeches or during his question and answer time, being able to articulate Article 5 and the Convention of States project in particular. It's beginning to gain traction in the presidential campaign. We're, we're very excited about the influence we are now having on the campaign and the questions that are being asked, and the candidates cannot ignore it. 
And even though a president does not have any power in a convention of states, they certainly have the power of the bully pulpit. And that's one of the things we are grateful to Senator Rubio for bringing attention to that. We would certainly hope the other candidates, such as uh, Dr. Carson, Senator Cruz, uh, Donald Trump, you know, he's, I guess you call him civilian or businessman Donald Trump. Of course, Governor Kasich has come out and supported an Article 5 process specifically for a balanced budget amendment. So we're getting great traction amongst the GOP presidential candidates. To be honest, I don't even pay a whole lot of attention to the Democratic candidates. Uh, that indicates a bias on my part. Still no calls. Um, I know it's dinner time. This is a difficult time for you folks. Um, I had – like I said, my day was, was taken up by going to see Dr. Carson, and then as I serve as an election judge, I had to pick, pick up some election materials for Tuesday's election. So that took up a better part of my day. Um, we will see you back here again next Saturday, 8.30 in the morning. I do hope I, I'm getting back to the Texas plan from Governor Abbott. Uh, again, we will be looking at the next section. We've covered the congressional or legislative section. We will be looking at the executive branch, uh, the president and the executive branch, and how Governor Abbott articulated that he would want to deal with that his great exposition of what's gone wrong and how to rein that in with several amendments. So until next week, we're going to go ahead and let Madison Rising play us out with Star Spangled Banner. And thank you once again for listening to that Provident article. We appreciate your listening. My name is Paul Hodson. I'm the co-director here in Texas, the Convention of States Project. We want to thank Madison Rising for all the music that they provide here, our intro and outro. Go out to their website, www.madisonrising.com. We invite you also to go out to our Convention of States website, www.conventionofstates.com. We want to thank the Convention of States Project, Mark Meckler, founder and president, Citizens for Self-Governance, Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project, and a big, big thank you to our entire Texas Convention of States team. And we invite you to join us again next week for another episode of That Provident Article. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.